Hey y'all, this is Kat again with Moose Reads Good, a podcast where I read fan fiction that either is my own or something I found on the internet. I also read my original fiction, which that hasn't happened yet, but is going to really soon. And thirdly, sometimes I read things that have been out of the public domain for years. Today, I am coming to you from my teeny tiny, very hot office, and I am covered in cat hair. I do not know where this cat hair came from. I do not own a cat, but somehow it's still all over my jeans. Anyway, today we're continuing on Starlight by Sacrifice Them to the Squid. It is a Tario slash Keeley fic set in the Hobbit universe, and it is full of tragedy and action and canon-typical violence that you would expect from anything by Tolkien. Uh, without much further ado, let's get in on Starlight, Chapter 3 by Sacrifice Them to the Squid. The bridge is abandoned. The moon is full, the fog below luminous and thick. She's always imagined this must be what it feels like to be comfortably tucked inside a star. She has no desire to leave the dapple sunlight and warm moss of her home, but some nights she closes her eyes and tries to picture Valinor, the distant island of myth and song. Every time she sees it wreathed in stars, a cloud as thick as the mist, infinite pinpricks of perfect silver. Starlight. Keely. Gilith. It's a coincidence of syllables. His name means something else to his people. She's grasping at substance where there is none. Just because she's elven doesn't mean she's immune to cold and fatigue and distress. She's been running for two days without respite, and she knows there is only disappointment to be found at the other end of this bridge. Still, she can't shake irrational hope. These are prisoners that escaped from her care. If nothing else, she should bring them back and rectify an egregious lapse in judgment from her keymaster. She was furious until Thranduil offered sanctuary to an orc, an orc, and in that moment, all shame evaporated. Her prisoners escaped, but Thranduil willingly made treaty with the enemy. He has lost any moral high ground. She doesn't know what she's going to do. Even though she and Legolas are fleet and light-footed, the weathered timbers still mutter at their passage. They find three Lake Town guards dead along the way, a fourth decapitated and half-submerged in the icy water. There's no question as to where the orcs have gone. Legolas nudges one of the bodies with his toe. Tariel doesn't need to know anything about the development of men to know that this one is far, far too young, and something wild and awful rises up in her throat. This! She stabs a finger at the dead, at the last moment choking back the words to a hiss. This is what your father would have roaming our lands. I know, he says grimly. He let them go, Legolas. Were we not given to this world to be its stewards? I know. He would have us hidden away as if we were dwarves ourselves, locking ourselves in stone where not even a breath of outside light. Tariel. Legolas reaches over to catch one of her hands. I know. Why do you think I came? If he would have us abandon this world, perhaps he should make the journey west, she says bitterly. At least there, he would have good company. He gives her fingers a quick squeeze, and the rare contact brings her back to herself with a start. We will make this right, Malonin. Her heart aches. I am glad you're here. Legolas releases her hand, readying his bow. I have made poor choices, he says, 
this is not one of them. The two elves enter Lake Town silently, easily scaling up to the roof of the closest building. The city sleeps, the few wandering watchmen slow and unaware. The whole scene feels like a child's quaint, sweetly ignorant little tableau. Taria almost pities it. There, Legolas hisses. In the near distance, black shadows creep along the wood-shingled peaks. She and Legolas share a brief, determined look and leap forward. By the time they're close, the orcs have converged on a single house, rending roof shingles to the shriek of a child within. Whatever sleepy peace held the city has been ruthlessly shattered. Go, Legolas says tightly. I'll get the ones on the roof. She's already moving. At the threshold, she thrusts her knife into an orc balanced on the railing and without hesitation follows the momentum forward. The room is pandemonium. Somewhere in the haze of flower and splintering wood and the terrified screaming of the children, she counts five orcs and lunges into the fray. She fells the first with a quick slash to the throat and whirls to sink her blade into another's chest. The third is scrabbling at an upturned table, trying to get at the girls below, and Tariel slits her other dagger between his vertebrae and gives a wicked twist. In her periphery, Legolas drops down through the roof and throws himself at the orc near the door. There are too many bodies in too small a space, but she was raised in the dense forest of Mirkwood, where trees are sometimes only a hand's breadth apart. She trusts her daggers to go where they're needed and lets herself be pulled along behind. Two dwarves, unarmed but not helpless, they surround the children, rearing back with improvised weapons when they can. In the corner of the room, she sees a blur of familiar blue, the color she's been aching to find, and her heart thrills at the discovery. Once, when he was just a stranger with the face of a hated enemy, covered in spider silk, Keeley had pleaded with her to throw him a blade. Now she does so without hesitation, and his strike is strong and true. She doesn't even have time to be jubilant. He's in pain. When he howls, it's inhuman, feral, horrifying, but somehow he still found her dagger and followed it to its end. As the orc falls, so does Keeley, and in less than a heartbeat, he hits the floor, his body contorted at her boots. Distantly, she thinks she might throw up. She's the captain of the guard, a leader, a soldier. Thranduil once called her his golden-eyed assassin. If she keeps moving, it's unconscious, a dance she's perfected through centuries of practice. She swings at the orc, slicing through fetid flesh, her limbs acting of their own accord, and instead she looks at him. In that first moment, she thinks he's been struck. In the heartbeat after, she realizes no, he's just dying. He'll be choking on it soon. He's choking right now. Abruptly, the battle is over. He's sobbing incoherently on the floor, spittle and blood caught in webs at his lips, his kin throwing themselves down beside him. Tariel, Legolas says, and that one word conveys volumes. He needs her by his side. This is her quest, the one for which they both disobeyed the king, but I will not forgive myself. There's anger in his eyes, frustration, the lust for enemy blood. There's also sympathy. He knows her. He's giving her permission for a decision she hasn't yet made. We're losing him, the older dwarf says tightly. If Keeley were Elven, in that moment of such pain, his Fea would have departed for the Undying Lands. She would have welcomed it, the escape of temporary suffering back into ephemeral immortality. Her grief would have been mediated by the knowledge she might someday see it again in another form. Mortals lack that choice. She wants him to stay. She knew that, 
but she didn't know how much until right now. Tariel is no great healer, and even if she were, she knows a death when she sees one. The mother's reckless son is dying, his promise to return breaking with Tariel as its horrified witness. A family sundered. It's a thing she knows far too well and feels far too keenly. She rips herself away, breathing in to let it fuel her rage. She can do nothing for him. She can't even watch. Her cowardice is excruciating. She takes her daggers to hand and is one step into the chill night when she almost trips over the dwarf charging up the creaky wooden stairs. She's half a heartbeat from slicing his head from his shoulders when the smell of rests her midstride, herbal and green, fresh as spring grass, bright with purpose. Athalus. Athalus. The dwarf with the curled hat is clutching a small bundle of Thalus, tiny white flowers like stars glowing amid rich, dark foliage. She feels like she's been dropped off the edge of the balcony, her body weightless, flung somewhere far beyond herself. Athalus. Here in her hands is fresh green Athalus. It isn't real. It cannot be. This is a dream or a nightmare. What are you doing? asks the dwarf, a tremble of disbelief in his voice. The words come out before she realizes she's saying them. I'm going to save him. Tariel never felt relief so great or inadequacy so keen. She has done small healings, speeding the staunching of blood, relieving what pain as can be commanded, but these have all been rare moments, and she'd been praised as exceptional for her success. This is different. As an elf, she understands the flow of the world, but she's never tried to direct its course this way. Hands shaking, she stripped the athelus away from its stems, squeezing handfuls in cold lake water until it makes a thick, leafy paste. Keely's kin lift him onto the table, screaming and bucking in their arms, dishes and bowls flying away from his spasms. A dark stain of urine spreads across his trousers. Hold him still, she commands, the athelus damp and tingling against her skin. He's so strong it takes every one of them. All her life, Tariel has been told she's impulsive. It served her well, and she's so caught up in the rawness of Keeley's screams that she doesn't stop to consider if this is even possible. The wound is pustulant and dark, lines of shadow reaching out like greedy, malevolent fingers. The feeble little healings she's done before have been simple, straightforward, a nudging closed of flesh on flesh. This is ugly. This is wrong. A sensation like the screech of steel on stone slicing deep into her marrow. Keeley falters beneath her hands choking on a white froth. This terrified, seizing creature, this isn't him. He's a child of stone, a ready smile, a wink and a grin and a wisecrack. For three short days, not even a handful of hours, he was hers and she was his. The key and the keyhole, the sudden release of a lock she didn't know bound her. He's slipping away. Suddenly, the words crystallize in her mind. She will not let his mother know the pain of losing a child. She will not let his brother be haunted by the sound of death. Everything that has been taken from her, everything dear that has been brutally amputated, she knows the howl of grief. She knows the crushing weight of loss. She's been told her survival is a gift, a blessing amid the memories of smoke and ash. She will not let his loved ones suffer as she has. She closes her eyes and lets her consciousness sink into the calm purpose of the Athalus and its ready acceptance of her intent. Send the blessing that was given to me from me to him, she says fiercely, willing it to be true. Release him from death. This thing, this darkness, it holds him captive as fast as any chain or cage. It twists beneath her hands, 
a force almost laughing at her attempt. She pushes against it, envisioning the Athalus as a beacon of safety, a light in the fog. Tariel can feel herself failing. She isn't enough. Fury surges forward. She is enough. She has to be. Is she not the one who named him Starlight? Is she not the one who held the runestone warm in her hand? Has she not defied the orders of her king? She has gone beyond the boundaries of Mirkwood to gaze up at the night sky. Now, she's gone even farther. Remember his smile. Remember the warmth of the runestone in her palm. Send the blessing that was given to me to him. Remember the hazel of his eyes. Remember the first moment of heat. Remember the curve of his calves. Release him from death. It isn't a prayer. It's a demand. She couldn't save her parents, but she can save Keeley. Send the blessing that was given to me to him. She pictures cleansing light like a sunrise coursing from her hands, everything that is green and good in the Athalas flooding into the black. Release him from death. White crystals in frigid winter, a hearth on a frozen night, the heavy freshness that comes after a hard rain. Send the blessing that was given to me to him. The purity of a son's promise, his hair chestnut and dark. Release him from death. In this moment, Tariel claims him. Through the Athalas, she makes herself wild and bright, taking whatever darkness binds him and making him her own. She blazes with power and clarity, incandescent. Send the blessing that was given to me to him. She is a meteorite. She is phosphor. Release him from death. The shadow flares, a last death rattle of shivering dark. She bears down upon it, a living firestorm of golden fury. Keely glows with her, brighter and more beautiful than any star, and like an imploding egg, the poison is suddenly gone. Alright, that was Chapter 3 of Starlight by Sacrifice Them to the Squid. If you enjoyed this, make sure you go to archiveofourown.org and give her a little kudos. Because every kudos that you give an author means that they're going to get these little tiny flutters in their hearts and their stomachs from all the love that you're pouring into them. And all that love that you're pouring into them, they're going to pour right back out and give you more amazing stuff to read. So don't forget to go and click kudos on her works over on AO3. And then check back here at a later date for the next chapter. See y'all then. Have a fantastic day.